If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Humans of Excess Manchester with me, Clint Boone. This series is sponsored by our friends at Safer Roads GM, helping us to keep ourselves and each other safe on the road to Manchester. This week, I'm joined by legendary music executive and founder of Creation Records, Alan McGee. Alan talks about meeting Noel Gallagher and signing Oasis to Creation Records at King Tut's in Glasgow. <laughs> and and I, I, I walk on in, and uh, in Man City Blue, where Adidas, the main man, he's, he's sitting there, Liam Gallagher. Yeah. And I was like, didn't know it was Liam Gallagher, obviously, I say, but I just thought, Manx in the area. And he talks about his love for Manchester. I thought it was an unlucky city for me. And then I ran into Oasis. I feel more at home. This sounds mad, but I feel more at home in Manchester than I do in Glasgow these days. It's a great pleasure to welcome to Humans of Excess Manchester a chap who has been responsible for bringing us some of the most monumental British music of all time, mainly through his work with Creation Records and without his vision. Bands like Jesus and Mary Chain and the Primal Scream, Oasis, we might never have heard that music. His name's Alan McGee, and uh, it's a pleasure to see you again, man. How are you? All right, Clint. Good, good to see you. Yeah, man. Looking good. 
I've, I've, I've got the jumper on that we could to stop myself coughing through your show. Yeah, you were saying you're feeling. I've had that spluttering bug. A bit under the weather. I'm all right. I, mean, I don't think I'm contagious. I think you're all right. Right, I'll be all right. I've got, I think I've got an immune system <laughs> these days. I don't know why after all we've been through. But yeah, I'm uh, still standing here. It's great to see you. We're going to be chatting about, obviously, the, the amazing career you've had. Your love affair with Manchester, obviously. You lived yeah, here man. for a period of your life. First of all, let's talk about the beginning. Where and when were you born, Alan? Uh, Govan Hill, Clint, uh, in Glasgow, which, south side of Glasgow, I mean, it's kind of went a wee bit downhill in recent times, you know what I mean? But it was all right when I was there. And then I moved up when I was five, Clint, to Mount Florida. Uh, I started going to Mount Florida Primary School. That's where I started meeting most of the primal scream. Right. Is that still a suburb of Glasgow then? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And uh, that's just down for Govan Hill. And then I went up to Kings Park School and, uh, and uh, I met Bobby Gillespie moved to Springburn. Um, the, 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 all the members of the band went to that school Amazing. and we all knew each other when we were 10, 11, 12 <laughs> do you know what I mean and then we were all like into football and then it got to about it got we got to about 15 punk happened me and Gillespie really got into it and and that was that was this. It was really the beginning of the, the primal scream creation thing, and everything else that came with it as well. It's like the the amount of people we've talked on these podcasts where punk was the you yeah, know, the, the Damascus moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And each of these people, what's come from that? The shotgun effect of everything you created yeah. since punk, and the same with Anthony Wilson, and you know, it's just amazing. I don't think the man in the street always understands the significance of the punk movement. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So you're born in uh, September 1960, yeah, yeah, so you're a few months younger than me, uh, so I can relate to a lot of these moments in your life, and I can re- relate to a lot of the people we're going to talk about, because I know them, because they're my mates. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but what sort of childhood was it up in Glasgow then? Was it working class? Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like my mum my, my was a, a shop assistant, my dad was a panel beater, and, uh, you know, it was... As real as you wanted to get, you know what I mean. You know yeah. they always had jobs, though. To I mean, it was never, we were never completely on our ass, but we never had any money. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I remember when I got to eleven, Killing asked my mum and dad for pocket money, and my old man went, "Go and get a job." Yeah, <laughs> I went, "All right," and I went, and, I went and got a paper, a paper round, and uh, well, I, I was, it wasn't even a paper round; it was like it was distributing as free paper, Southside News. Yeah, it wasn't. It was ten pence, but you could get it and. I used to knock 200 papers out every day and make a bit of money for myself. Yeah. You know? It's funny when you say about that that period that in the 60s. If you're out of work, back then it was, there was a stigma with it. In working class, Definitely. my mum and dad were always working and uh, it's like if somebody got divorced, it was unheard of, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was yeah. massive. Yeah. Uh, our times have changed. You didn't do very well at school, did you? Rubbish. Is <laughs> yeah, yeah. it one O level or one? One O level, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, I, I don't know if I tried or I was just rubbish. I mean... I don't know. You know. I mean, did I try? I'm not sure. Do you know I think, I mean? I think yeah. the word is, some of us were distracted. I, I, I never got to school because it was just, it was, the teachers were bullies, man, you know what yeah. I mean? And they were just like horrible people, you know what I mean? And I was just like, you're just a bunch of idiots. I don't want to know about it. And, yeah. But I didn't really know. I, I had a dream, obviously, which was music, but I didn't really know if it would work out. I, nobody, I mean, I suppose the chances of music working out for me was, was about a thousand to one or something yeah. like that, you know what I mean? But it did work out for me, so it was it was it was good, you know. Same here, because in the, again, nineteen sixties, early nineteen seventies, the people that we saw on TV, on top of the pops, or making records in general, yeah, were all brilliant musicians. You you, you couldn't blag it, you couldn't blag it being a shit bass player, could you? you had to be a good musician back then. So yeah. I never, even though I dreamed of being a pop star, it's like yeah. I never thought I was going to be a good enough musician to yeah. to do it really. But I dreamed of it, and if anybody said what do you want to do, I want to be Elvis. You know what I mean? You were good though. You could keep up. I got there, but I blagged it. I blagged did it, you, and, you, and you, it was you, punk. You. If punk hadn't, hadn't have happened, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to be a successful keyboard player, yeah, but yeah. it's just everybody's standards came down a bit, didn't they? You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, well, you know, I liked it as a bass player. I was all right, but yeah. 
But I wasn't a natural musician. You know what I mean? I knew at a certain point, but I knew by the time I got to about 21 that I was like a chancer. And yeah. you know what I mean? You know, I, and, I, and I'd started managing more than little band and I'd kind of went, I think I'm actually quite good at that. Yeah. So that's why I, I kind of fell into that. You know what I mean? Just backtrack to before punk came along, what were the what was the music that was the most attractive to you growing up through, through so the early 70s? The, the glam music, thing, yeah. which is a. Uh, T-Rex was my first band Then it was yeah. Slade And then I found David Bowie And then I was like I was in Do you know what I mean? Yeah but, I was into uh, all that Shwadu Adu as well was one of my <laughs> Shwadu <Adu. laughs> But there was, it was it, The punk thing It missed Glasgow quite a lot It didn't It didn't miss Glasgow With people like Me and Bobby and Jim Kerr People like that Charlie Burchill It got all us But the real truth was that um, Glasgow City Council Had banned punk bands and yep. so you had to you had to go to Edinburgh or Paisley to see punk bands. So it, in a way, Glasgow never produced any punk bands until it was Simple Minds were a band called Johnny and Self Abusers at the time. And yeah. I auditioned for Simple Minds because I knew Charlie Burchill. I mean, I, it was rubbish. You know, I, mean, I think I auditioned to be the rhythm guitar player and the about to become Simple Minds. Do you know what right. I mean? You know? <laughs> Didn't get the job. You know, but I'm sort of friends with them. You know what I mean? What were the key moments then in the in the punk when punk happened? What were the key moments? To you I think the Clash out? coming to Glasgow. Yeah, yeah, that was a big moment. I mean, the Clash were a bigger deal in Glasgow than the Sex Pistols, actually. Right. You know what I mean? Which nobody really talks about, but that, because the Sex Pistols couldn't come to Glasgow because it was like I think they they came once. I think they came to Edinburgh in '76. And uh, they never they never came back to Scotland, and the Clash used to come every six months. So yeah. they kind of felt like our band, and that's why you get all these Scottish old punk rockers like me and Bobby Gillespie, and like you know, you know Jim Kerr all rattling on about you know the Clash. Yeah, the Clash. I mean? They were significant, were they massive? And I saw them on the Anarchy tour. So when, like you said, the, the Sex Pistols got banned from every town in the country yeah, after the Bill Grundy TV thing. But Manchester was one of only probably two places that would put them on. So they came here in December of '76. Yeah, and did the Electric Circus, which is where I saw them. Did you see Pistols? Then? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, December the 9th, 1976. Amazing. At the Electric Circus. So it was a few months after the Free Trade All gig that they yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. The lineup was um, Buzzcocks, Johnny Thunders, The Clash, and the Sex Pistols yeah. for one pound twenty. Genius. And it's just like just the best one pound twenty any man has ever spent because it just completely. <laughs> I didn't do very well at school. I went to an all boys grammar school. Right, right. And it was like, say, getting bullied by these these adults that like whipping yeah, yeah, kids, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It wasn't the pupils, the pupils were all right. They all got, it was, it was the teachers, yeah. it was like, the teachers were just Neds. Yeah. Neds with suits. It's same here, same here. <laughs> so I could totally relate to that. So punk came along and completely made the world better for us all. Soon after that, you moved to London, didn't you? Is that right, about 80, 81, you moved to London? No, in 1980, June 1980. I was 19, yeah. and I was with Andrew Ennis in this wee band and, uh, called uh, Newspeak. And we were changing the name to The Laughing Apple. And he went, we're going to move to London and become pop stars, McGee. Yeah. As in me and him, nobody else. <laughs> it was one other guy. <laughs> he, he fell out of it and went home after about two or three weeks. But uh, but we're going to go to London and become pop stars. But if you don't come, you're out of the band. Yeah. And he taught me to play the bass. Well, I could play rudimentary bass like Paul Simon. And so I thought, this is my only show. So I went to London. And uh, it kind of, in the, in the long term, it worked out. You know, Andrew ended up in Primal Scream because I yeah. put him in the band. And uh, and I worked, it worked out for me because I, I ended up being a manager. Do you know what I mean? Did you have a proper job? Was it British Rail that you yeah, worked? Yeah, no, I got a job down there. What uh, did you do? I had a job in Glasgow doing British Rail, but I was just a, a, a stores clerk. Okay. I think I'm going to be portrayed, portrayed in the film that's coming out. 
as a wee guy that ran about in a British Rail uniform. I'm, I, I don't have the heart to go and have a lower one. I'm just going to let it go. You Brilliant. Know? Was it Jar Wobble? I think he works on the underground as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, it, was yeah. he a cleaner yeah. though? Probably, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, 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 I don't know. I mean, like, Wobble could be anything. You Brilliant. Know what I mean? Security. We're talking about the early 80s here. So it was beautiful, I thought, how punk. The 80s could have been tragic, couldn't it? If, if, yeah. we, if we hadn't have had punk to, to keep that underlying yeah. edge to the 80s, yeah. It would have been rubbish, but it just it, it turned into this beautiful, again, this transitional moment, didn't it, between punk and what was coming next. Yeah, yeah. Favourite bands, standout bands for me, people like the Wolfhounds, yeah. World Domination Enterprises, these bands, yeah. we'd never seen anything like this, and it was just a beautiful time. What were your memories of the, uh, your earliest memories of the 80s, before you set up your label, before you started well, Biff Bang Power, I mean, before I that? I mean, I started pretty early, nobody even knows this, I've always just, I always really remembered it myself. The first three bands I ever tried to sign when I I didn't even, I didn't even put a record out at this point were uh, the Pogues because I went to the second ever show, right. tried to sign them, and Shane McGowan's only he's only a couple of years older than me, and he was looking at me like I was this wee innocent boy about twenty one trying to sign this mental band <laughs> the Pogues, and it, it, I actually got a, a meeting. I went round to Shane's house and you know, he's, he had a flat just off of some mad road in the King's Cross. Where all the prostitutes used to yeah. hang around. You know, I actually like, know that area, but I don't. Yeah. I only, I only <laughs> know it because on my first trip to London, yeah. that's where we always used to stay in the yeah. bed and breakfast because it was so what cheap. What was it called? Argyle Square or somewhere? Yeah, it was right opposite King's Cross. Yeah, it was. It? Yeah, all the yeah. prostitutes used to be there. He yeah. had a flat <laughs> up the top, and I, I went in, and Shane was obviously getting up to a lot of brown business. Do you know what I mean? It was oh, like, yeah. all like, you know. And and anyway, I think I got sent packing in a nice way because I just think he thought. This wee boys just a bit too innocent for this, this yeah. rubbish that I'm into. So I got sent away. The next band I tried to sign was a uh, uh, Prefab Sprout because I heard Lions of Moan Garden on John Peel. And at, at this point, Kitchener hadn't even come in and signed them. And I tried to sign them. I wrote them a letter. I was always 21, cunt, you know what I mean? And then they, uh, they, they uh, and then the other band I heard, and I, Rough Trader already got it, but I heard Hand in Glove. And I tried to sign the Smiths, I sent them a letter as well. So I was a wee guy that just got in and done his thing. But eventually, as I grew up, it developed skills and yeah. I managed to sign bands. And it's funny because that's what you're famous for, isn't it? Like, you're an household name through your work with Creation, Oasis, Primals, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But I think people often forget you, you did front your own band as well for several years. You did yeah, like yeah, six yeah. albums, didn't you? Biff Bang Pow. Yeah. Six albums? Yeah, yeah. But it was never an attempt to be famous or a pop star or anything like that. It was not like that. You know, it was a. We just put the records out, Clint, because, uh, well, we could, and, you know, they were cheap. We were making albums for 500 quid and stuff like that, because it was, you get three days in the studio and bang an album out, so yeah. we were just doing it, and we kind of, we are okay, you know what I mean, you know, it was like, I don't think it was like a great band or anything, but I think it was, I don't think it was a, it was a dodgy band, it was like, we, we had a good laugh doing it. Yeah, I think it was what was going on across Britain at the time, as I said, that the punk thing had Changed everybody's uh, standards and expectations, so yeah, you could yeah. get away with not being a brilliant musician. No, like, I, agree, I agree. And if the yeah, spirit yeah. on the record was right, people would buy it. Like the, the first yeah. Buzzcocks records were just Genius. like so cheap and scratchy. And but, but the ideas with Buzzcocks were always better than the execution. The ideas were brilliant. Absolutely, absolutely. So Creation Records, you started that in 1983. Was it the Jesus and Mary Chain that was your first signing? Or no, no, no. I, I put a, I put a rubbish record. The very first record I ever put out was was a guy. He's my pal guy called Jerry Thackeray you know him as a legend that's right, right the legend yeah good guy really yeah. good guy but I put his record out terrible record yeah and uh, and it taught me a big lesson because I actually thought it was a good record and then um, and, you know and then it got slated by all the music papers and then I suddenly realised oh it's got you know I've got to do better and I took six months out 
came back January 1984 and put pastels, Jasmine Minks, yeah. Revolving Paint Dream, which was Andrew, and Biff Bang Pow was me. And we got pretty good reviews. It, be, it started going the right way. And the name Creation became synonymous with that, that new scene of uh, great indie music, didn't it? Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Jesus Merchant, because I remember... Yeah. The impact that that had on the scene when it started. I mean, it was, this, it was making the tabloids way before Oasis did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus and Mary Chamber, like mates yours, obviously, but yeah. the kind of violence, the, the sonic violence and the physical violence in the venue had never been seen on a rock yeah. and roll stage, had it at that point? Well, the truth is that we, we, we got lucky. We had this club at the go and it was, was funding the label called The Living Room, and I bumped into them and I knew they were a great band. So immediately after one song at the sound check, they were about to kick off and punch each other, you know, the two Reed brothers. And I went, I'll be your manager. And <laughs> amazingly, they went, all right. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, God, well, they really don't know what they're doing if they're making me the manager. So that was what I really deep down thought, you know. Yeah. But And, and we started doing it, and it blew up really fast. This, this first single went out and sold 50,000 copies, which, bloody good. And then we done this gig, which was kind of blew the whole band out of the water, at a... North London Polytechnic, and about two or three weeks before, um, the Canadian News Channel had said, we're going to film this gig because, you know, this band are happening and we want to film happening bands. And I, so I had a TV crew <laughs> there, and there was a riot. I got lucky, Clint, because I didn't know there was going to be a riot. To, much to a lot of people's dismay, they think I, you know, it's through an agent provocateurs to blow it up. I didn't, you know, I mean, I was like, but I made sure when it was kicking off that the, the people were like filming it. So, <laughs> and, and then we let that footage go everywhere and like, you know, this band have riots at shows. Yeah. So every second gig for the next year was, was cancelled, but we always got paid. Do you know what I mean? Because we, we, the gig was cancelled. So it, it, it was great for us. I think one of the, I think it was a Manchester gig. I didn't actually go to it, but the reports were like, it lasted eight minutes on stage. Yeah. And then the fight that started on the dance floor that spilled out into the street lasted about an hour. Jesus <laughs> 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 emerging. Thankfully, they've uh, they're mellowed but, now, haven't they, the Reed brothers? Yeah, that was a that was a gig at the Hacienda. Hacienda, yeah. About, yeah. yeah. That was a good story to that one, though, Clint. You like this one? It was like... Our mutual friend Mike Pickering booked it. He was in Quango Quango. That's right. Do you remember that? So I show are... up. I think I'm Malcolm McLaren at the time, right? Yeah. So I show up at the Hacienda. I've sold 800 tickets, so I'm filming myself, right? And I show up and I go, all right, Mike. And he goes, all right, Al. He goes, he goes what are you doing here? And I went, right, I'm, we're doing a gig tonight. No, wrong night. And I went, right night. And he went, no, wrong night. And I got my contract out and I went, right night. He'd put posters up around the town. He'd sold it for the wrong night. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But the contract was, we're playing here. And the next night we were in Nottingham, so I couldn't even yeah. help him out. And he, it, this is the power of radio at the time. He put it out on, it must have been BBC Manchester or, or like the local radio station. I don't yeah. know what, what it would be. We got all the 800 people to come to the show, oh, even though he'd advertised the gig the wrong night. Yeah. Were you inspired by Malcolm McLaren? In the beginning, I thought I was Malcolm yeah, McLaren for right. quite a long time. I was totally inspired by him. You did really well with but that. But as you get older, you know what I mean? You know, you become your own thing. You know, Absolutely, yeah. In the 90s, I was born thing. Well, you've ended up in a different place at your age than McLaren was at your age. Yeah. He, he was very extravagant and flamboyant. Yeah, you, yeah. You've, you've always been quite humble. Right. What about Tony Wilson? Did you get to know Tony pretty well, when you? Really well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Tony Wilson. And again, very, very similar Maverick sort of characters. Yeah. Are the people that I would look up to in the music business, it's not the standard people, it's Lou Goldham, uh, Malcolm, Tony, Seymour, Seymour Stein. Stein that's, yeah. a bit, that's the people that I kind of like, 
have any empathy with us because yeah. most of the people I just I don't get them. You know what I mean? You know? All characters that sort of go against the grain a bit and yeah. not not scared to shake things up a bit. Yeah. Before we talk about Oasis, let's talk about the time where you lived in Manchester a bit, didn't you? Daft question: What brought you here? Well, I mean, I thought you want me to be really honest. The drugs, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, it's right. Like, it's right. Like, <laughs> I went into this guy's house one day because I just discovered the ecstasy in Brighton, and I'd got Bobby Gillespie on it. Well, Sean had got Bobby Gillespie on when he Sean popped a pill in Bobby's mouth, and Primal Scream went acid house. <laughs> that actually happened. So I was pals on the Mondays, yeah. um, but I was big pals with Tony, and then I'd been up for a weekend. I was hanging out with Debbie Turner, yeah. and, and I was like. Do you know what? I'm going to move here. Probably coming down off an E. And, uh, and she took me around to some big nameless guy. I can't say the name because he he's probably a straight guy now with a family. Yeah. I went to this big individual's house and he opened the fridge. It was about a thousand or maybe more, maybe five thousand, but it was just it was a fridge full of E's. And I thought, I'm coming. Because we found it hard to get them in, in Brighton. And I thought, I can work for here and come down to London during yeah. the week. And, but I can like, I can I can live between the two places, yeah. so I did for about a year. And we were all very impressed that you come living with us. We thought that was because there's always been a real like connection between Glasgow and Manchester. And yeah. uh, you coming living here was exactly that. It's like McGee's living here. Why is he living here? Uh, <laughs> why is he living here? Uh, but yeah, it was great. To Do have you know it. one of the times I saw you? I, I mean, I used to see you all over the place. Right? You remember you used to have that black and white jacket, the jacket black with the, the prisoner jacket. Yeah. I think that was the first time I ever saw Gallica ever. Hacienda. End of 88, and I was in the Hacienda, and I saw you, and I went, that's a kid in spiral carpets, and you were with this mop top, and it was no. But I yeah. remember looking at it, oh my God, I just thought, it looks good, but I didn't, I didn't go <laughs> past it, you know, I mean, I didn't know that I'd end up working with him, do you know what I mean, you know? Yeah. And when did you meet all them? What were your first memories of meeting him? I mean, we've got the famous story of King Tuts, which I'd like you to well, tell you. I actually met him before that, yeah. by a complete fluke, because he was going out with this girl that used to work for me, called Hannah, yeah. that ended up, I think she married Juan Atkins. And she had a kid with Juan Atkins. I might be, I might have got the wrong techno DJ. Right. Might be Derek May. I really don't know. You know, apologise, Hannah, if I got the husband completely wrong. Right, but he was <laughs> one of these guys, that, one of these techno DJs, and I'm not that any techno, so I don't really know the scene. And me and Debbie, I was on House of Love. I think you were on the bill. And when Inspirals, did you do House of Love? And did Spirals play? Yeah, we did Reading. In fact, right, yeah. Okay. yeah, we headlined it. We headlined it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. You were at the gig, and me and Debbie was hanging out with me, and we walked. We went to walk out of the, the enclosure bit and Hannah goes, Mickey. And I went, all right, Hannah. And she goes, meet no. And that was the very first time I ever met him. Right, yeah. And it was, was all right. And yeah. that's why we never spoke. But that was the very first time I ever met a guy. Right. Uh, so your time in Manchester, obviously, you met Noel and then uh, the big moment at King Tut's. Talk us through that because we've heard the, the you know, the well-documented well, version of it. Sister Lovers, Manchester Band were playing up there. Yeah, De- yeah. Debbie's Band, wasn't it? Debbie's, yeah, it was Debbie's Band. And, and I, I, I wasn't seeing that much here anymore. I was used to see her every weekend at the Height Acid House because it was like my little buddy that we used to party with. But um, she was, she'd got a band together with Louise and they were going to play up in... I, I worked it out because there was another Sister Lovers Band, right? And the Sister Lovers Band was Joe Foster man, managed that band. Okay. So I phoned Foster up and I went, are you playing King Touch next weekend? He went, no. Well, oh, it must be Debbie. I thought, if I go up to the sub club on the Friday night or the Saturday night, have a good night, and then I'll nick into that and then go back. But still, even on the day, I think I went up to the sub club. can't even really remember what I'd done, but I think I went to the sub club on the Saturday night, got up to nonsense and all that stuff. And then, and I think I thought about six o'clock at night, well, I'd go down. Best decision I ever made, Clinton, right? Yeah. You know, ever. Right? Yeah. And it was like, do I go down or... I'll go with the gig. I'll go and annoy her and it'll be, it'll be fun, right? You know, and I had two bands on. 
wander on in half past eight at night, city of culture, uh, Glasgow city of culture. The pubs are open twenty one hours, right? <laughs> and and I'll, I'll, I'll walk on in and uh, in Man City blue with Adidas, the main man. He's, he's sitting there, Liam Gallagher, yeah. and I was like, didn't know it was Liam Gallagher, obviously. I say, but I just thought, Manx in the area, he's got to be the drug dealer. That's kind of secretly thought. I thought, but he's too good looking to be in a band. And then, and then it was all they, they were sort of posturing that they would beat up the security kind of eye because there was about ten or eleven of them. Right, there was about two wee Glasgow security guys. <laughs> and I just, I was looking at the looking at them, and I just thought, Bonehead. I looked at Bonehead, and I thought, he's got to be the singer. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know because he's going bald. <laughs> Makes total sense. He's the singer. That'll be the drug dealer. And uh, wander upstairs when they finally Debbie had said, "Oh, like, we'll have a set." Let them let them play four songs and uh, wandered on up the stairs, and uh, they just coming on. And I think it was they started with rock and roll star, mm. and then they went into it was just phenomenal. And then they went up in the sky, bring it on down, and then then they done I am the walrus. And do you remember back in the day? Because you were you were big around that time, ninety three. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the time that when bands like that covered Beatles songs, it was always horrible. Well, and, and I just thought, well, it's going to be rubbish. Here we go. This is the point, you, you you know, you prick the balloon and you don't get the deal, dude. Because in my head I went, if this is good, I'm going to sign them. And it was amazing. And I went, I'm going to sign them. Yeah. I went up to Mark Coyle, who had got kicked off the Teenage Fan Club tour yeah. for doing drugs with me. Right, right. He, got, he got kicked out of the Inspirals <laughs> camp at the same time as me all, actually. So that's sort of thing. But, but we remain friends. I, no, the, the, the manager, Chad Banks, he's another mank. Yeah. And the teenage fan club went, you, 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 you keep giving Alan drugs and getting him off his tits, you're, you're out. So he's like, you know, I mean, he couldn't get rid of me, Chaz, but he got rid of Coyley. Yeah. So I went up to Coyley and went, who's the manager? I didn't even have a manager. And I, and I went, no, there's a, I'll take to the main guy. He's called No. I went up and, and saw No. And I went, I want to sign you. And he went, um, who, who are you? And I went, Alan McGee, Creation Records. And he went, right, we're up, we're up for that. I went, all right. And that was the beginning of the whole yeah. the whole thing. What was it that grabbed you about the band? I think, it sounds a bit mad because he's not known as us, but I, it, the great guitar player and great songs. Liam was quiet that gig. Oh, it was quiet before that. Before you signed him, he was one of the quietest lads in Manchester. Yeah. He was always the best looking, but he's yeah. meek. I'm, I'm saying I'm yeah. a big That's fan, a big like, fan. Well, yeah, you Very do quiet. Know, you were yeah. really there. I mean, he was standing and he was not projecting. Mm. And Noel always told me after that, oh, he just went through into a dip, McGee. Yeah. You know, he used to be like that. So I don't know if that's true or it's not it's true. It's true. Because I, I, I remember the week that you signed up, yeah. his big news round here, was the week that Liam, as we now know him, was born. You yeah. know what I mean? The character and the skill was there before, but it was almost like he put on a new tracksuit after you signed him. And that was when it became the yeah. the loud, brash, in your face, right. I don't fuck with anybody. That's when the, Liam, as we know him, was born. When The week you signed him, I, I mean that right, right. literally. Is it something that's all about the fact that all these bands that we talked about so far, the Primals do it, Murray Chain did it, My Bloody Valentine, the kind of bands that just act like they don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. Yeah. Is that what appeals to you? Rebelliousness? It is something like that. I agree with that. But I think it's got to be great songs, dude. It's great records. I mean, I've still turned on by music. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, music's the big deal to me. Clint. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I've only ever been good at one thing, and that's music. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, if he goes, oh, you're really good at business, I'm all right at business, but yeah. I'm, I'm brilliant at music. You did a bit of art dealing, didn't you? Or collecting. Yeah, yeah, Do you collect yeah. art still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, back in the day, you know what I mean? You know, yeah, yeah I, I did I did do all that. But, um, 
But the truth is, I'm really only good at one thing, and that's yeah, music. Music. But it still is in me, and I've still got to do it. And yeah. I'm still driven, you know what I mean? So within a couple of years getting Oasis, literally within a couple of years, it was they were an household name, they're on the front of every tabloid. Yeah. And then that that hurricane of uh, chaos and colour and energy and fucking craziness. Yeah. What was it like? in your position like we were all looking at it on the tabloids and the telly thinking this is brilliant you know what I mean but you must have you must have had equal parts this is brilliant and equal parts this is going to kill me what was it like right well, in the middle the, of the I, I got out of the, the the party thing of that I mean, from, from I met them May 93 end of May 93 and I got sober February 94 and then after that I was like I was just uh I had to watch the whole thing for the side. I had to watch, you know, I, I, I couldn't go and do the drink the drugs thing, which right. was actually my saving grace. It's why, how I've managed to keep the band. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Have you been sober since then or did you get back on I it? Got, I got relapsed once about 2002, 2003 yeah. for a couple of years. But not with drugs, but, but booze. Yeah. And then I, I stopped again. Yeah. It's not, I, you know what I mean? It's just not for me. I mean, if you can handle it, good luck. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Get on there. I don't, it's not as if I'm like, I don't go to the NA thing or anything like that. It's just not for me, you know, right. the booze. I mean, I'm much, I just want to keep my dignity, dude. Do you know what I mean? You get old and you're just like, can I just be slightly dignified? Do you know what I mean? You know? <laughs> so that was when Arda still, and if you were sober and everybody else is partying, or did it make it easier? Could you just. It made it easier right. in a bizarre way, you know yeah. what I mean? Because, you know, once you take yourself off the football pitch, nobody's expecting you to go and score a hat trick. So it's a bit like. If I'd been on drugs, there's no way I would have kept Oasis. They'd have dumped me for the second album. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You know, because they were they knew it was like it was on for being the biggest band in the world. You can't have the guy that runs a record company being a jakey. Yeah. So luckily, I wasn't a jakey anymore. I was like, oh, I was a jakey for the <laughs> for the last ten years, but I had got sober and I was like, I was me. I was like sober, Alan, and it was all right. You nearly got into politics at one point, didn't you? When you were swanning about Downing Street and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 got, I did my little bit. I mean, I got a, I got the. A, New deal for musicians. Through. That's massive yeah. news at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. Absolutely so, massive. I mean, I think that was, you know, that was payback for other people that had ever supported yeah. me. You know, I mean, like, all right, I'll, I'll get you, to, get the government to pay for your benefits, and you can go and be musicians. Yeah. So, like, you know, but for, for a certain demographic of people, you know, for like people about thirty-five, they love me for that. You know, maybe not 35, 40, but, they, but you know, they were all on it. You know. Yeah. Fast forward a few years after that, you stepped out of the music industry for a little while, didn't you? Yeah, no, I, uh, I've i got a wee daughter uh, who's 18 now. Yeah, Charlie. But uh, And I was bringing her up. And yeah. I got to about eight. And she, I'd been spending a load of time in America, working with Joaquin Phoenix and stuff like that. And uh, and I just decided, you know, I'm, I'm missing my daughter. Do you know what I mean? You know, I'm not, I don't have that thing. And it, we're really tight now because I took her to school for the... For five years, yeah. And it, was, it got to about thirteen. You know, you've got kids, so you probably get it yourself. Yeah. It got to about thirteen. With like, don't come in, Dad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We have You're a bit cool. of that. Yeah, we have a little bit of that. Yeah. What about management? So recently, you got back into management, didn't yeah, you? Well, yeah, yeah. So what I, made you, after with all your the knowledge and experience that you've had of babysitting these grown ups that are often confused and slightly insane <laughs> characters? You know, what crazy. happened was that I uh, moved. Uh, back to London I wrote a book Which is the film That's coming out With Irvin yeah. Welsh And, and uh, Danny Boyle doing And uh, I just got, I got A phone call for the Mary chain Do you want to come back And manage us And then I got one For Wilco Johnson Started I, I've always known Sean Forever Do you know what yeah. I mean And it ended up You know They ended up Not having a manager And like, they were like do you, want to, do you want to work with us yeah. Yeah. So I just ended up Falling in with a lot of people That I've kind of known forever yeah. I knew Wilco back in the 
back back in the day. You know, Milko I mean? Johnson. We're talking Milko Johnson, yeah, Doctor yeah. Feelgood, and also I mean other beautiful people. You're doing Cast, Las Vegas, yeah, yeah, Blue I, I Tones. Love John Some of the most beautiful yeah. people that I've ever met are there, right? Yeah. Right, James on your Allen. Yeah, James yeah, Allen. James Allen, you know a close friend yeah, yeah. of mine. Yeah. yeah. Is it easy work these days, or is it? It is what it is. I mean, I've I've got. I mean, there's a lot on. I mean, I've I've got the little label, Creation Twenty Three, yeah. which is I'm finding some great new stuff because the majors aren't interested in signing the indie rock and roll bands and there's some good stuff so I'm putting them out Clint uh, I've got the management what we talked about you know I've got the, the film Spud's playing me really? That, yeah and, incredible Irvin Wells got, uh, <laughs> got Spud and then I've got this spoken word tour that you can help me do that right? yeah. that's fantastic I'll come and do a bit of that with you i tell you how the film happened it was like a, I'd done the book and I moved to London and I and Irvin loved that book and I was going I don't even think it's that good and he went no it's amazing Mickey let me make a film about it mm. so it went like that for three years four, going on four years and he was always short a little bit of money he got a, got a production company involved in it but he was always short half a million a million it was all that and I just never thought it was going to happen and he went I'm going to get Danny Boyle and I went really within six days we had three offers uh, to, to fund the whole film Wow. Yeah, and that's just Danny Boyle, just bringing Danny Boyle on board. Yeah, gives it a all new kudos, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about home life, health at the moment. We've got, obviously dead straight these days. You're living yeah. in Wales, he's still living on a farm. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, I take the piss that it's, it's a farm, it's just a big house with right. loads of land. It's Have you got any an- animals on there? Yeah, my missus is crazy. She's yeah. like got um, three horses and two dogs. And I'm not an animal person at all. Right. Loads of cats, you know what yeah. I mean? But you know, my, my daughter and my, my, my wife, you know, they they love animals. So yeah. what do you do? You just got to go along, haven't you? We've you know got I mean? loads of pets, and it's like it's not me that's collecting them. It's mainly our eight year old Cassius. It's <laughs> like he, he loves animals, and but it's me that has to do all the mucking out and feeding yeah. them and taking them to the vets and all that. Some of the things you find yourself doing, and it, it, like we've got a guinea pig that's had a big rash across its backside yeah. for the last couple of weeks, and we've been treating that. And I'm sat there looking at its ass in the morning, ten o'clock, thinking. I wonder if Paul Weller has to do this kind of shit. <laughs> you know I, mean? I, I, I ran into Weller the other week. So, oh yeah, he's yeah. doing all right now. Yeah, he was, he was, he's a he's a he's a producing some band called The Touts. Have you heard them? I've not heard The Touts. A good I'm band. Right. And uh, he was down, and uh, I was talking. To, I hadn't seen him for years. Yeah. Maybe five, six, seven years. It was yeah. great. He looks amazing. I get to see him every year now. Usually, when he drops an album, I get to uh, chat yeah. to him again for the show. But he's doing great. He's a lovely bloke. Very inspirational. It was still. a one funny bit when because he didn't recognise me when he was like, "I went, it's McGee." He went, all right, okay. And then I went, you're looking great. And like that's just a Scottish thing. You're looking great, right? Yeah. And he looked at me as if, I'm Paul Will. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> of course I look great. He didn't say that. And he went, I've been so many 11 years old. I went, all right, good. Yeah, he's doing well with it yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. Let's talk about Manchester again, Alan. So look, what is it about the, how would you identify the spirit of the city? What, what, how would you describe it? Uh, do you know what, Clint? It's like, I didn't have much success up to Oasis in Manchester. And since then, I've, I've done well in Manchester. I had a few goes at it. I had Bodines. Yeah. Never really happened. Good band. Very very influential on these virals. You know, they yeah, yeah. they were one of the first established yeah. bands that helped yeah. us along. They took us on tour and uh, yeah, they were yeah. brilliant. Very, very... Good band. Yeah. Really Bunnyman. I had Hypnotone. Yeah. Good band. Never really happened. But I had, I had about three from Manchester yeah. and none of them, none of them went, none of them happened. And I was like, I thought it was an unlucky city for me. And then I ran into Oasis, and yeah. then it was it was my city. Yeah. And now when I come up here, there is I've been mean, a lot of, a lot of love, you know, up here. People yeah. like me a lot, you know, and it's like it's really touching, you know. I love Manchester, but when I was coming here, I was like, I feel more at home. This sounds mad, but I feel more at home in Manchester than I do in Glasgow these days. Do you right. know what I mean? You know, I mean, London 
I'm nearly there the whole time now, you know, doing my business. And I love I love London and everything. And what I kind of like about Manchester, it's just not the inflated prices that London is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you can, you know, London's just, it's just too expensive. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It kind of rubs me up the wrong way because it's too expensive. <laughs> well, Manchester, you get here and it's just right. I like that. Yeah. Do you think a band like Oasis could have come from a place like, say, Mablethorpe on the East Coast? No, no way. You know that. Come on. You know that, you know. It's, it, it, it could only come out of a city. It could only come it out of a city. It could only come to Manchester, actually, to be honest. Yeah, I think, I think Glasgow has its moments as well. You yeah. know, very similar I'll tell you why Manchester's amazing. You all think that it's the greatest city in the world. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But because you all believe it, something always happens here. And that's why Manchester's cool. It's true, and it's it's a real self belief. It's not just an arrogance. I think yeah. part of it probably is you've arrogance. You've had the bands, you've had the bands, New yeah. Order, Oasis, you know, Stone Roses. I mean, you've had some amazing bands. Yeah. Let's talk about your favourite humans of Manchester ever. Right. Give us three or four, five, six names of people that are your iconic Mancunians or people that have had a great effect on Tony the city. Tony Wilson has to be because uh, I was going to chuck it in at one point. I was I was gutted. I, I think I owed a bit. I was a wee guy, I was about 24, 25, and uh, I owed about 100 grand to Rough Trade, and they were threatening to sue me. <laughs> and uh, Tony just went, oh, you're doing it wrong. And I went, well, what am I, do- what am I doing wrong? And he went, you give your bands to the body majors, you build them up, and then you take the house of love. You, you, I'm still mates with Guy, by the yeah. way, right? And you know you sell them for like 400 grand to the, to the major. Okay, you might make your <laughs> 80 grand management commission. Great, McGee. But at the end of the day, you know, you're just... That band is a big band, and you gave it away, yeah. and I was like, right, right, and, and I, I had I, that talk when it came up to my bloody Valentine and Primal Scream. They stayed because I said, no, you're not going. Let's do this thing. Less money in the beginning, more money at the end, and it's happened for them, you know. So Anthony Wilson's on your list of uh, humans yeah. in Manchester. Give us a couple of others. All right, well, it has to be Sean Ryder, the man that turned creation onto Acid House. Do you know what I mean? You know, but, but I, I, one of the best Sean Ryder story I've ever seen was uh, I just got into the whole Hacienda Friday night at Hacienda. What was that called? Was it called the Wet Club or something? There's one called Nude. Nude. Uh, That's it. it nude? You got it. Right. It was nude. Yeah. And I on a Friday night, and I walked in with my pal, and the whole place was kicking off. I was just going off, right? Just people on the dance floor going like they're just having it, and I looked on stage. And, and it Sean was in a gold lammy shirt that I'm told by Muzzer was Muzzer's shirt, right? right. Muzzer's mum's shirt, Sean. And he was just leading the charge on stage, 600 people. And it was like tribal. And yeah, I thought, I love you. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, so, you know, you have to be Sean. Um, Bez, because it's just like, he's like, he reminds me of Joe Strummer. Yeah, Don't he's know got a very similar spirit. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know, similar. And uh, I've seen him in dressing rooms before. When a, you know, when little kids are like, I have to go now. And they go, no, no, just stay, have another drink. Mm. No, no, no. And, and then the, the kid goes, I've got to go get the last train. And Bez goes, how much is the taxi? The wee kid goes, I think it was in Folkestone, I saw this, 50 quid. And Bez pulls out a 50 quid note, gives the guy the taxi money. And, and the, nobody does that. You mm. know. It's you, unique. You're hanging out with these guys. Yeah. You know, no, none of them do that. You know what I mean? Mm. So that, he's a one-off. Yeah. Um... Hooky, I love Hooky. I was going to yeah. say collectively New Order because I love that band, yeah. but I love Hooky. He's yeah. just, he's a, he, the first time we ever met him, it was the Jesus and Mary chain on stage at the Hacienda, and Hooky was growling at us the entire gig. <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to kid on, he wasn't growling at us. And then we became pals, you know, later on, and I went, 
do you remember growling at us the entire gig? And he went, yeah, I wanted to beat you up. You know? didn't like it. Because <laughs> we thought you were taking the piss. And I went, no, that was the band. That's what yeah. the band were like. We've probably got every member of Oasis as well, haven't we? Yeah, and uh, another one, good guy. He was the first person to ever uh, let, rent me a flat. Erasmus. Oh, Alan, yeah. He's Erasmus still with us, still well. with us, isn't he? Yeah, I saw yeah. him at, I saw him at a funeral recently, you know. Right. Good guy. What about Debbie? Let's get Debbie in there. All right. Without Debbie, <laughs> there wouldn't have been... Yeah. No, the... no, I mean, she, she, she was inspirational, man. Yeah. It's like, you know, she's a, a Queen Acid House. But I've had, I've had the best times ever with her, man, you know what yeah. I mean? And she's still doing music. She's, she still she's still takes photographs. She still, you know, she still sends me music. Do you know what I mean? You know, I'm, I'm actually cutting a ribbon for her. Uh, Are you? A week on Saturday, she's opening a photographic studio in Stockport. All right. You want me to be the, the local celeb to come and cut the ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing that. Before I ask you the last question, Oasis stroke the Gallaghers, do you think there'll be a reunion, even if it's just the brothers becoming friends again? You'd have to think that might happen one time. Because life's never life never runs smooth, do you know what I mean? And uh, through fate, they'll be thrown together at some point. I mean, whether they'll ever be in a band with each other again, I don't know. I can't call that. I know there's a lot of hurt feelings both sides. Well, we know anyway. I know there is, but I guess I can't. I don't think there's. They're not going to get together anytime soon, dude. You know, mm. but but you know, the only thing that might happen is that circumstances might change in people's lives. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to go saying what I think that might be, you know, because it could be anything, you know yeah, what I mean? Totally, yeah, yeah. You know, it could be it could be bad news. Yeah, it could be tragic, you know? yeah. And uh, they're, 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 they're cast, they're, they're thrown, thrown together and suddenly, you know, it looks like, I don't hate you, blah, blah, blah. But mm. at the moment, you know, I can't see it anytime soon. What do you think? I think, and I, everybody I speak to, particularly that knows them, but a lot of the fans as well, I'd like to see them back together as brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of while, while Peggy's still around, yeah, yeah. I think that'd be the most beautiful ending to the story. Yeah, yeah. And if we get a band after that, brilliant. But that don't matter. I think I think the brotherhood is the main thing that yeah, we'd yeah. like to see back really. Because yeah, uh, let's see what we can do. Bang the reds together, Mister McGee. <laughs> I, I never see Liam. Right. I never run into. I haven't seen Liam for about four years. I, I, I DJed for him in Japan. That was the last time I saw him. Yeah. And he, I walked in and there was a dressing room at the side of your building, and he was all right, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I'm like, thanks for coming. All right, all right. Yeah. And uh, and I DJed for him that time. That's about 2014 or 15 in Japan. Yeah. A couple of shows. And then, uh, but I see no, I haven't seen him for about a year. But I, I saw him at the side of the stage with Gorillaz. He was his wee boy Donovan. You know what I mean? And I was putting Sean on stage. So it was like kind of one of them. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Right, last question. Alan, describe Manchester in three words. Homer Wilson. Fantastic. <laughs> Alan McGee, thank you for being a human of excess Manchester. Thank you. That was Alan McGee. Next week, I'm joined by Mr. Rock and Roll star himself, my old mate Liam Gallagher. He'll be joining me for a very special episode of Humans of Excess Manchester. Don't forget to follow us on social media and subscribe to Humans of Excess Manchester. Rate us. Feel free to leave us a review. We always like to hear your feedback. Thanks to our friends at Safer Roads GM for sponsoring this series and thank you for listening. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.